When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Fright School. Are you ready? Class is in session. Welcome back to Fright School. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joshua. Mm, how are you? Ah, uh, blessed be, Joshua. Blessed be, that's right. Blessed be. That's right. I'm not going to bind you, Joe. Don't bind me <laughs> from you doing don't. harm against others and harm against myself. Yeah, you don't need that. You're such you're such a good person that I, I couldn't see you trying to do harm. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, I thought you were going to start this off by singing. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what, what should we sing? Strange magic. <laughs> no, you made it. Strange no. Wow. <laughs> that was nice. Well, reach for that. those notes, honey. I was reach reaching, for them. reaching. Get those notes. Get them. Get them. Uh, yes, we are back. We've had a little uh, bit of a break for the holidays. How was your holidays? Oh, it was filled with food and family. Yeah. You know, only one of those things will kill you. <laughs> and it wasn't the turkey. <laughs> it was not the turkey, no. <laughs> did you have turkey? I did. We did have some turkey. We yeah. had a little bit of a we had a little bit of the the chamorro, the Guamanian, fam, mm-hmm. you know, so tons and tons of food. Yeah. Only like 20 adults and four children. Do you um, need to be louder? I Sorry, we're like interrupting. No, let's be louder. Can we be louder? Let's get there loud. Go. Is that a little bit better? Let's get loud. Is that, that's good. That's good. <laughs> uh, we're professionals, dear listener. We're professionals. Yes. It's like, you know, I'm a pro. I am a professional. <laughs> I just want to make sure that you're heard, Joe. I went up the elevator, and I'm going to come back down right. the elevator. That's a Shangela Yeah, reference. for our, our anniversary, we, um, we should go back to our... Uh, old sound where you couldn't hear anything anybody was saying exactly (laughs) exactly uh anyways but that sounds fun you know (laughs) hanging out with family where you could only hear like one person saying something at the time i couldn't even hear anything we were saying like i would be like on the bus or walking places and like i can't hear us turned all the way up i'm like i can't hear anything we're saying what is what what nonsense are we speaking uh anyways um yeah so it sounds like how was was yours uh great uh we went up uh to see visit the sam squanch's mother madre and um his dad and the dad's wife uh, it was really fun. The de- we decided just to. I didn't want to do a ton of dishes. I didn't want to do anything. So, um, and his mom kind of had a rough year. So we thought, let's just go spend time with her. We went to something called Castaway. Ooh, yeah, they have a buffet, and it was really good. It was like a champagne b- uh, buffet. Yeah, right. Yes. Bottomless mimosas all day. So. I drank and ate tons of really good food, and it was really boosted up, very fancy. It was nice. Yes. And, um, then we Sometimes just like you out. must put on airs. Right, exactly. We're just being fancy. Uh, <laughs> and then we, uh, we just hung out with his mom for a little while, and then we went. Uh, we timed it so that we could just hit dessert with his dad, and we hung out for a couple hours t- chatting, you know, talking. Nice. His dad's wife was uh, under the weather, which is always disappointing because I adore her, so um, she wasn't feeling too well. But, you know, overall, it was really, it was very fun. <laughs> it was a good holiday. I love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And then Friday, we put up the scary Christmas tree, which you saw. Yes. We'll um, post it on the, well, I, mean, I think you might have posted it already on the. Uh, I haven't posted this year. I mean, it looks exactly the same as last year. So, I mean, I could post this. I mean, the ornaments are in different places, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> I came over. But overall, it looks exactly the same. I came over and Joshua, like a good waspy housewife, was just like rearranging the like this ornament now goes here and look it's different it's transformed 
it is transformed now. Well, it's funny because it's it's hard because we have an all white tree with black and silver ornaments. Mm-hmm. Then we have some cool stuff. I put like a little Thestral mm-hmm. in there, uh, Funko Pop Thestral. And we have a really cool Baphomet um, tree topper, uh, praise Satan. And yes, we I, <laughs> but don't come after us, uh, right? The Church Satanic of Satan. Temple. Yes. Yeah, we don't. We don't need them. I don't have fifty million dollars to give them. <laughs> no, we don't um, for appropriating their religion or whatever it is. Uh, <laughs> but we have like I have like a Grim Reaper, a mummy, and a little Krampus ornament that's on there this year. But b- it being a white tree, it can look really hollow, you know. So. Mm-hmm. Sometimes sitting in front of it, I've noticed like an empty space and then one's too crowded and, you know, just trying to get depth. So it looks nice. So it looks, you know, yes. fancy and not thrown together by, you know, two idiots who don't really celebrate Christmas <laughs> in I, a conventional way. I just love that, like, you, you, you know, again, I love when people make the holidays their own, whatever that means for them. So, you know, because, like, growing up, it was all about, like, that religious aspect of Christmas. Uh, like, yeah. this is, like, Jesus's mm-hmm. birthday. Blah, right. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That was, like, blah, 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 blah. Jesus' birthday. <laughs> You're suddenly, like, in the Charlie Brown Christmas yeah, special. <laughs> um, but, like, you have definitely made the holiday season your own, and you put your own stamp on it. And we kind of talked about to. this. Yeah, we mm-hmm. talked about this a little bit last year about, like, you know, how important it is to just kind of make it your own and... Yeah, well, we've just, you know, we've gotten so far from, like, you know, these family or family or whatever, you know, things you want to value. And so, that you know, I just try to do that. You know, the older I get, you know, the more I just want to be with people that I like, you know, and yeah. not feel like I'm forced to be around, you know, and... And, you know, f- find a, d- a different way in to celebrate, you know, and even like doing like all the horror stuff, you know, all the Christmas horror films and things. It, it's still I don't know. It, it feels so like wholesome in a way to like get together with friends and drink hot no. chocolate and exactly. you know, do the whole do the whole thing. So. Exactly. Like you have a whole day where you just host yeah. people and you watch movies. Yeah. You know, granted, we are watching like, you know, Silent Night, Deadly Night. And <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be fun. Yeah. Looking forward to that one because uh, I haven't seen it in a while. Um, yeah. So, oh, and I love like how my little Nightmare Before Christmas setup is coming. Yes. That's going to be really cute. That's something we definitely need to post up. Yeah. When it's finished, I'll take a picture. You're I'm <laughs> doing sort of a citizens of Halloween Town decorating their Christmas trees. See, that's the thing I love is that <laughs> with like, all you Funko know, Pops. Some some places they do like some people do like a nativity scene, right? Or like a <laughs> or like a winter Christmas village, yep. and you have the citizens of Halloween Town decorating a like skeleton tree. Yeah, like, it's so good. It's, yeah, it's gonna be cool. I think when it's all done, hopefully, I think it'll be cute. It's all with the Funko Pops and um, some cool stuff I found. So hopefully it hopefully it comes out right. Awesome. <laughs> Anyway, so um, today we're uh, talking about one of my favorite movies from when I was, definitely when I was a teenager, The Craft. Mm -hmm. Um, It seems that uh, witchcraft is very popular amongst the millennials. Have you heard this? Yes, I have heard this. Yeah, they're ditching religion for witchcraft and astrology. This is um, actually a fairly recent article, October 31st, 2018 by Carrie Paul on marketwatch.com. In uh, in tumultuous political times, the 18 to 30 demographic is reaching for the stars. Mm. Hmm. What do you think of that? Um, I think it's very true. Very, very true. Yeah. Um, I... Did you want to talk about uh, your own... Well, yes. I have been experimenting. I have been experimenting with witchcraft, Joshua. Right. I'm very excited (laughs) to say. Um, Yeah, I've been kind of, like... uh, I met up with uh, one of my witchy friends. Um, He likes to say he's witch-adjacent. Um, he's a brujo. He's a brujo. He's a <laughs> you know. He's a he's a brujo minimal. How what what does he describe himself as? As a Wiccan? Is this a religious kind of thing? Or he basically said like I- I- exactly like that. He's like I'm witch adjacent. Like okay. it's not nothing formal, but like definitely has books and has like mm-hmm. has um, like his witch kit. Like it's like a wooden box with like an abalone shell and. Then, like, sage that he picked up and, like, you know, dried out himself. And oh, cool. Different types of candles and um, An a tarot athame. deck. No athame. Oh. But, you know, Christmas is gotta around have the corner. His wa- he's got to have his knife, you know. I know. It's Stab like, The solstice is around the sacrifice. corner. <laughs> um, and, and, yeah, so you have these, uh, you know, he has them. It was, it was coming at a time where I was, like, I really kind of wanted to, like, refocus and, I wanted to refocus and recalibrate my thinking around um, my intention and thinking around a particular thing in my life. And so 
I called him up and I was like, hey, you know, do you want to, do you want to, I was like, do you want to call the corners? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Said, did he do a spell for you? Did he charge you $150,000? <laughs> no, he did not. He did not. $175,000. Um, <laughs> no, we, but it was very much like, I felt like it was almost like the craft. Cause like we did go to a beach yeah. and mm-hmm. he, we encircled ourselves uh, in a circle of protection. Right. We it's like, fairly typical and most uh, witchcraft crafts. Exactly. <laughs> we, we did it at the new moon. So, you oh, okay. know, new moon, new intention. Um, very nice. It was very, very, um, it was very nice. It was very, I was surprised at how like right it felt, how comfortable and how um, we like were mixing and matching different things. Like we, there was, there was various different parts of uh there was various different parts of um, of different like witchcrafts, you know. Like he, they, he was like, "Oh, here, this candle means this, and this candle means that." And mm-hmm. we were, you know, long story long, and this is getting way too personal, but you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, so basically, I was like, I was wanting to recalibrate and re reimagine um, and refocus my thinking about like love and relationships mm-hmm. in my life, um, and so. He, we did like, you know, cast a little spell of intention to like put out there. And he had like this red, like phallic candle that right. we burned. And we called upon our like forebearers, like our gay ancestors. Oh. And, and then, you know, having just come back from like, you know, m- my trip to Guam, I was like, well, let me also invoke my like indigenous ah, ancestors and mm-hmm. see what we can do about like, <laughs> see what we can Finding your. See, tribal see, power exactly finding my tribal power because i felt very much like yeah, felt very much like oh i'm like that one i'm like queenie it's like i'm the black witch but i also got voodoo in me so here we go because indigenous and i see i see it was very mm-hmm. um i felt very good afterwards and um he did a tarot he did like a couple tarot readings on me and those cards like the universe read me the house down yeah the universe was like mm-mm, girl no mm-mm. the answer is no and i was like okay fine <laughs> whatever i already kind of knew the answer was going to be that way but you know nice to get confirmation but yeah it was good and so ever since that night i've been kind of like looking into different things more and i've been thinking a lot about how do you incorporate how as me a person from an indigenous from from a indigenous colonized culture also reconcile magics but magics that are coming from like a european context mm. which is very interesting um i have a instagram hashtag for everyone to look up on so everyone look up which 101 wednesdays uh andy mantis who is a gay uh, who's this really great uh well he's queer but he's a queer broadway actor creator that i follow he's also like a self-professed like practitioner of magic and he there was like a with a k with a k (laughs) magic um and he uh did this like 10 part series every wednesday um in like 2017 where he did like wrote a little Mm -hmm. bit about like some aspect of magic and so he talks a lot about um he talks a lot about, uh, you know, it correspondences and then intention, moon phases, you know, different different things and how that works. But one thing that I appreciate from him is like he always made sure to like like this is in a very kind of heteronormative context, but it's also from a very like European Eurocentric context, specifically focusing on like um, Irish Gaelic type, you know, magics, especially when it comes to the, ta- uh, the tarot. Yeah. So. I've been trying to figure out ways and how do you incorporate, you know, also researching a little bit more about like culture. What is like, what does a native tribal culture magic look like and how do you incorporate that? How can you, um, how can you switch traditions around a little bit? So yeah, yeah. I've been, I'm in, I'm in study. I'm in discernment. Well, I love it. That's, you know, I, I find it fascinating. I'm curious to see your journey yes. on that. Um, we'll keep you posted, listener. Right. <laughs> yes, as uh, Joe becomes Joe the Witch. Yes, Joe the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> title it's so of interesting because you... Title of app, Joe the Witch. Joe the Witch. <laughs> um, you grew up uh, Catholic. Roman Catholic, which yeah. is basically witchcraft. Oh, like, right. <laughs> it's just, I mean, we have several... 
deities and stuff. And that's the other thing, too, is that, like, it's also very much at home for me because there's, you know, elements of repetition and ritual and symbolism. And those are things that I just, you know, I can dine out on forever. Hmm. And, you know, something yeah. that we talked about, we talked a little bit about it before we talked about where you're talking, you were talking about, like, magic in the sense of, like, you know, nature is cyclical, repetitive, ritual. Right, ritualistic. Ritualistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It in general and that there are there could be there are things that are probably like we see it as magic but mm-hmm. like have yet to be explained or we just don't have the ability to explain it yet like rationally but you know it very well could be have like some sort of rational explanation yeah i, I think there's a lot to be said for intention you know um whether or not it's magic you know to or not I mean, yeah, I think it's like a science magic, you know, I mean, just weird stuff. I mean, stuff like that happens to me all the time. You know, I think about something or um, or someone and then they call and, you know, or like the other day I text Laura, who's been on the show before. Yes. And I was like, you know, I'd really like to see you soon. And I'd had a dream about her the night before. I dreamt that we had gone, you know, it was like it, we're both big fans of Florence and the Machine, so I had a dream that we went to a Florence and the Machine concert in the church. It was a very strange dream for me to have in, in that sense. But I woke up and I had her on my mind all day and I just kept thinking about her. I was like, you know, I need to text her. I'd like to hang out with her because it's been a long time since we've just had like an us day, you know, lay around, you know, drink, eat mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. watch, you know, television or whatever. And so I sent her a message and she's like, I was just thinking about you. I had a dream about you last night. And I'm like, I had a dream about you last night. Like, that's so strange, you know? So I think there is something like I, there is power in that somehow, you know, um, there, there's some sort of magic there at work that yeah. I just think that we don't understand. Like there, there is a lot of power and intention, you know, yes. like I went home a few years ago and I went to a place like I had never, I hadn't been in years, you know, and I thought, you know, I was like, I'm going to go visit there today. And as I walked in, everybody went crazy because they're like, we were just talking about you. And I didn't call. I didn't tell anybody I was coming. You know, I just showed up and was like, hey, I thought I'd visit, you know. And it was like, that's so strange. We were just talking about you like a minute ago. And you walk in the door. Like, how weird is that? And, and you I'm haven't like, been there in like forever. For years, years and years and years. Long, long time. But all the same people were there. And, you know, it was just working in the same place. It's, you know what I mean? How life is. And I mean, this is a small town. So everybody kind of stays generally, you know. But who knows what was going on that day or why I even came up. But the fact that I, like, set intention to go to that place. It's like before. It's like I arrived before I, you know. I got there before I arrived. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I do. I think, you know, that's just something that we can't explain yet. You know. But but I think it's there, there's real reality in that. You know, like yeah. mothers who know their child is hurt from miles away or, you know, you can lift a car from adrenaline, you know, whatever those, you know, things that people talk about or, you know, under hypnosis, we can do certain things. I, I, I think that there's, we just don't understand it yet, you know, fully. Yeah. And we might one day. Um, so, you I, know, I fully believe that. I mean, I, you know, again, I come from uh, talking a little bit last, you know, one of our old uh, most recent episodes where we talked about like, the spirits of the ancestors mm. on Guam that kind of inhabited and and we you know we honor we revere it we know that they are fully present there like yeah. there's this whole I, I did a little bit more research and talking about it and like there is this very very real belief that you know those who have come before are still very much real and present with present and working um, in our lives so you know thinking a lot about that and just everything that I know about, you know, things that have happened to my family in Mm -hmm. terms of like quote unquote supernatural stuff. Like it's, it's fascinating how, you know, that, that this could be things that are going to be happening for real, you know, or like be explained maybe in the future, maybe not, but no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Who knows? But absolutely. That's that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like who knows what the, Future, this is a delicious you know. cup of tea, by the way. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Yeah, see, I, I brew, you know, my own magic. There you go. <laughs> exactly. Joshua all right. has all the tea. All the tea. All the tea. All right. Well, say we take a little break, and then we'll come back to discuss 1996, uh, The Craft. It's so nice to have a night alone to myself. This popcorn is going to go great with my stories. Nothing like a Gilmore Girls marathon to lighten the mood. Hello? Hello. 
Yes. Who is this? I think you have the wrong number. Do I? It happens. Take it easy. Huh. That was weird. Oh, well. Popcorn's ready. If you're out on the road, feeling lonely, turn so long. All you have to do is call my name and I'll be there. Hello? Why don't you want to talk to me? Who is this? I want to talk to you for a second. Ha, they got grinded for that. What's your name? Why do you want to know my name? You gonna ask me out or something? Maybe. Look, I gotta go. I'm getting ready to watch Netflix. Do you like scary movies? Not really. I'm about to watch The Gilmore Girls. <laughs> oh, come on. There's gotta be a scary movie that you do like. Well, I do like American Horror Story. <sighs> okay, but you know, what about the classics? Like, how do you even know what that show is referencing? Yeah, don't care much about that. But listen, I gotta go. Don't hang up. Bye. Look here, you little if you hang up on me again, I will cut you like a fish. Understand? Is this some kind of joke? What do you want? To see what your insides look like. <gasps> Who's there? Who's there? Ah! What do you want from me? Jeez, Joe. <laughs> it's Joshua. How's your night going? Ugh. Thank God it's you, Joshua. I think I was having a nervous breakdown. This creepy guy was calling me, asking me if I like scary movies. That's awesome. Like in Scream? What? You know, the 1996 horror classic by horror god Wes Craven. Joshua, you know I don't know nothing about no horror films. Not like you. Well, yeah. I mean, you're not as cool as I am. Uh, But I could totally teach you about them. About horror? Yeah, you know, like the genre, its culture, historical, and social importance in film history. Well, I am a big nerd, and I think that sounds like fun. Say, let's make this do a podcast so that other people can go on this journey with me. Yeah, we'll call it Bright School, and we can release new episodes on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. Sweet, when do we start? We can start right now. Your first lesson is... You should never call out who's there in a scary movie. It's a death wish. <gasps> Joshua, where are you right now? This call is coming from inside your house. Uh, well, big shout out to Davy Boy Productions for uh, that last ad and yes. our own <laughs> ridiculousness. <laughs> we we had this great grand plan to do more of that kind of stuff. Uh, hopefully we'll get to do it. Yes, in the new year. We've got lots of good stuff coming in the new year. So just stay, stay tuned, old people. Stay tuned because you're going to get it. <laughs> you're going to get it all. Get it all, everything you want. Uh, no, I have no idea what that means. Okay, so we're talking about... <laughs> Everything you want is on the other side of fear, right, Joshua? E- exactly, precisely. Uh, so yeah, we are uh, discussing The Craft today, uh, 1996. Uh, wonderful movie, uh, directed by Andrew Fleming, starring Robin... Is it Tunney or Tooney? I say Tunney. Tunney. Faruza Balk. Faruza Balk. Faruza Balka. Uh, Nev Campbell, Rachel True. Uh, with uh, wonderful guest appearances by Skeet Ulrich uh, and Christine Taylor, Marsha Brady. And Brecken Meyer, <laughs> let's not forget. Brecken Meyer, yes. And, of course, your new uh, drag name, Asumpta Serna. Asumpta Serna. <laughs> <laughs> I say it with, Lirio. like, a Swedish accent, but she's, like, probably Spanish, like, yeah. like some Latinx woman. It's like, Asumpta Serna. <laughs> yeah, she's Spanish. Uh, Spain. Spanish. Ah, Spain Spanish. Spanish. She's Spanish. <laughs> I don't think that's a thing. <laughs> She's Spanish. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I don't know what that was. Uh, okay, so, you know, lovely movie about uh, a witchcraft. Uh, so going back, um, we were talking about, like, millennials and and their um, the rise in witchcraft and astrology and Wicca and, you know, different forms of, of magic. magic. And, you know, I think it's very interesting because we're living in times that uh, – you feel so powerless, especially, you know, in our age range, I think, because I think the millennials are, you know, that are coming up now, these 18, 19, 20 year olds, I have a lot of hope, you know, they're, they're leading a lot of great, um, 
resistance groups and speaking out and there's a lot of like you know fear hopefully they are um, a, a lot of uh, combating fear and especially around you know all the isms racism and sexism homophobia yep, yep. transphobia all of that it, that, I, that i hope that they can kind of keep going <laughs> into their adult lives um as you know all of us continue to also you know participate but i, I just think that there's something to be said for you know, having like less of an access to power. And so it sort of makes sense that things like witchcraft in these times become more popular yeah. because you're trying to find a real world way to, to, to have power, yeah. you know, to have access and, and to, to feel like you have control over your own life in some sort of way beyond the government or beyond, you know, television or social media, the way that that's all manipulating us constantly. Mm -hmm. We're, yep. you know, as we continue going on, we're learning so much about how we're all being mm -hmm. sort of guided, navigated, you know, these endless echo chambers. And then uh, also like a connection to the natural. Yeah, absolutely. Because we're so inundated with tech with this technological world that we are losing um, access. Yeah. Losing access. And yeah, I, I feel like I just keep thinking about it because like the, the one thing that I've been kind of gathering from just my, you know, my beginnings of studying is that, you know, there is this very much there. Nature is this very n nature is the source of power. So that's mm -hmm. where if if power is a river, nature is, you know, nature's at the top of it. That's, you know, and that's from which it all flows. So, yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's very interesting because, you know, I would never really consider myself too like naturey granola -y <laughs> person. But like I, you know, you you see. It, it gets it. I can see why, like it's, a, it gets people out there and to talk about it. it makes me more conscious of how I interact with the natural on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. So yeah, absolutely, been interesting. Yeah, and so I think when this you know film came out in 1996, I was, I was in I think fifth or sixth grade. No, I would have been, because I would have turned. But turn twelve, turn that twelve year. Okay. So I was eleven when this movie came out. Okay. So, gosh, but what year? How old are you then? Or like, what grade are you in then? <laughs> I, I lose track. In of the eleven, grades. twelve, fourth or fifth? I don't know. Yeah, I think I was fourth, in. maybe fifth or fifth or sixth, maybe. Yeah, it depends. Cause for me, it's weird. It's like the the years are. They coincide. So, like, 2012 to two or 2002 to 2003 was my senior year. Mm -hmm. So, 12, 12 started there. So, when this film came out, I would have been in fifth grade. Okay, fifth to sixth grade, and then okay. yeah, I would have I would have went into sixth. Grade. That's a good time for. I think that's how. It it's a good time. <laughs> it's a good time to be impressionable. <laughs> yes. You know, and so growing up again, like, you know, really poor and queer and, you know, a weird little kid, you know, the craft really spoke to me. <laughs> you don't and say. And all the girls in my class. So, like, all of my girlfriends, we were all really into the craft. You know, we played light as a feather, stiff as a board at recess and, <laughs> you know, all of that kind of stuff. We got in big trouble because one of the girls had some sort of, like, religious um response to mm. it and like yeah upset her mother really badly and then we were all like pulled in and like, <laughs> there's like this Stop whole it. thing about yeah about like witchcraft and scaring each other and horror and whatnot um did you did so you then we moved i went door. to a new like yeah exactly yeah we told her listen you uh, <laughs> quit being such a whiny brat you know <laughs> you flew into her um, yeah <laughs> into her window we took over her dream <laughs> um, no, but you know, it's like, it just the craft really like spoke it, kind of in the same way, um, like Elvira spoke to me, it, it, the craft was another like horror film that helped me personally be okay with weirdness, you know, like Elvira, uh, you know, like I've said in previous episodes, totally owned her otherness. And I felt like Feruza Bulk's character in this Nancy, um, was the same, like when they are all on the bus and yeah. they get off, Oh, watch out for the weirdos. We are the weirdos, mister. Like proud. It's a proud statement. And I remember that really resonating with me Yeah, at that age, especially cause that's around the time I started to wear like all black all the time. <laughs> and like that, that part of my personality like solidified mm. you know, as sort of the so this is a very like this is like an origin text for you <laughs> the craft yeah i mean it was just in the sense of like you know embracing the otherness and because i like hung out with all the girls all the time there it was just a very uh i 
really was inspired by like the relationships in the movie with the women, especially before it all goes downhill. But you know, they're like, you know, having slumber parties and getting together and they're going to the woods and doing all this stuff. There's this real sisterly bond that forms this really, they, they create their own family, their own group. And that was something I longed for mm-hmm. when I was like that age. Cause I, you know, although I had a family, I felt on such the outside of it. Yeah. 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 You know, and then, of course, with other boys, like, yeah, that was totally, I was not. They were all into hurting themselves. <laughs> like, oh. I remember, like, fighting all the time. It was like Fight Club, you know. And I was, I was say, not... like, masturbation. Right. Like... <laughs> yes, whole different hurting themselves. Hurt- that's hurting their spirits. <laughs> um, Jesus it's, is watching. It's self-abuse. Jesus, exactly. It's, they're going to go right to hell. Uh, no, but, they, you know, all the guys were, like, into that, and I definitely was not part of, like, the rough housing and you know all the like uh, wrestling shit on television and whatnot that my own brothers were really into. I yes. was not that person, and even my not own that sister, girl either. my own sister wasn't um, into this either. Like she wasn't like a weird, creepy, dark kid. So <laughs> I didn't. In my own sister, I didn't have that like sisterhood that I was like looking for. Uh, so yeah, no, the craft was re- really, really. I think spoke to a lot of us at that time. You know. Mm-hmm whether queer or outside or a woman, yep. you know, being a girl and seeing, you know, these the women in the story getting access to power and using it, you know, yeah. to, to better their lives. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, you know, and it's, it's, inter- it's an interesting film in that regard because it is like, it has this very queer, queer aspect to it. It has a very kind of quote unquote feminist read on the film. Mm-hmm. Yet, you know, on the other side of the coin, it's like it fails the Bechdel test oh, like, yeah. constantly. And not even just like in talking about uh, Skeet Ulrich's character, but also the the deity Manon being a man and right. you know, yeah. them vying, you know, it's one of those things like receiving your power from this kind of male identified or male identified deity and yeah yeah and then also also being at odds with each other because it's like oh you he favors he favors sarah at the end he sarah implies that oh you know nancy's fallen out of favor with manon yeah it's true well and it's interesting too because i like i like that read of you know manon as as a male uh, rather than like a sexless entity, you know, yeah. that mm-hmm. often, you know, comes in in witchcraft or or um, the spiritual stuff of nature, you know, mm-hmm. of, of God being on both sides, man and woman. Um, or if anything, being a woman, being like Gaia yeah. or those kinds of concepts which have a more feminine power. So, yeah, so he's got th- that male thing happening. Nancy's father, we don't know if he's gone or dead. We, you know, we just know that the, the male figure in her life is not her father. Yes. <laughs> Frank. Uh, and then Sarah's mother has died, mm-hmm. you know, so they're both maybe searching for that parental figure. Yeah, you know, in sort of ways, she's not connected to her father in the same way that maybe she would have been with her mother, who was also a natural witch and could have yes. taught her about herself. You know, yes. <laughs> so yeah, I think that yeah, there is something to be said about their like the, both of these main characters searching for some sort of parental figure. Mm-hmm, um, I don't know if, if that no, no, if no, that yeah, speaks to like what you're... it does speak to it, but it's it's interesting how like you know as kind of as people will read like feminine feminism in the film Mm -hmm. it also like it kind of fails in that regard of like being truly feminist in you know they are discovering their powers but it's also like they that's also kind of come to fruition through this kind of male yeah i would definitely pause to call it a feminist film completely true I, i think it has feminist um underpinnings but i mean you know a male directed it two men wrote it Mm -hmm. um with a third i think the director actually also Mm -hmm. gave the screenplay a once over um you know they had a woman on set who was like the production the witch um, the the consultant pat devon who was a a real life wiccan uh, along with at the time at least feruza bulk was wiccan as well I think, from my understanding, she Ooh, she she was pra- practicing. I I don't know if she still is, um, you know. But otherwise, it's a very male-driven story. So I'm curious if this was if they ever remade this and you had women write it and direct it, what story they might tell? Because mm-hmm. it seem it's very tropey. 
I, I think the first part of the movie is very successful in this in a feminist stance because they're, you know, they're all battling different personal things in their life. Sarah, the death of her mother, depression, mental illness. You know, she's having suicidal thoughts, has attempted suicide. Um, Rochelle, uh, Rachel True's character, is battling racism, and they could have gone more into that because I guess her character is supposed to be biracial, so they 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 could explore that a little bit more, yeah, sure. you know. But still, that. It's 1996. They're doing their best. <laughs> they got, you know, 90 minutes. So, exactly. Um, or 101 minutes. They whatever. look at her and I'm like, she has naps and is black. There we go. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, she she has what she's going through. Feruza Bulks, the white trash poverty, you know, battling that. And then Nev Campbell's character, obviously, is battling health problems um, and health, beauty. And, you know, she's representative yep. of of. Mm-hmm. of that you know that conversation of not feeling beautiful not feeling pretty and then so they find ways to use their power to like enhance that and it does feel for themselves like when bonnie comes in to the room nev campbell's character after she loses her scars and she's all sexy it does not feel to me at least and we don't have a woman here to to say (laughs) you know how they feel but it doesn't feel to me that she's performing for the males in the room she comes in like Mm -hmm. you know sorry like you know, I'm hot now and I love it and it's about me and she's basking in that. You know, she's criticized later in the movie by Sarah for being narcissistic and she's like, you know, but I've spent most of my life feeling like I'm a monster, you yeah. know, and now I'm not. So fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm going it, to revel as, in it. It does not feel like it's for the males. It doesn't. The, yeah, it's not as Because she doesn't even have a sexual relationship with any male in the film. Exactly. It's not as male gazy, you mm-hmm. know, like it's not. I was hard. I was trying to think about that a little bit later. Uh, I was trying to think about that as you were saying. It was like it's not. There aren't these moments of like male gaziness. Like you know, yeah, it takes place at like this parochial school, and you have, you know, all of the kind of yeah, sexual the patriarchal, patriarchal, shit that comes and with the, that, yeah. the sexual innuendo of like a parochial of a of a parochial school girl's uniform. You know, notwithstanding, right? You there's nothing ever truly overtly sexual. And you know, if you think about the films that came out of the '90s. Um, and how that kind of put all of that kind of pushed the envelope as far as you know sexual, um, uh, sexual performance and representation in the film. Like, yeah. I mean, I think of Cruel Intentions as being like, oh well, yeah, well, yeah, absolutely. But, like, but you have this film where it's like it, it wasn't so much about that. It was about you know one of the I guess feminists. You know, like you said, the feminist underpinnings is that you know they they are kind of inhabiting it as a power for themselves to assert control over things that they are, that are happening in their lives, uh, you know, yeah. to, as yeah. to overcome the, it, it, the yeah. bad things that are happening in their lives. Exactly. In the first part of the, of the film, I think that it works really well, but then it kind of crumbles into like, of course, women always compete with each other and, you know, women friendships are always doomed by jealousy and, and maybe there's something to be said. Maybe you can read that as well. But man, oh, this male energy is what interrupt, like disrupts it, you know? So m- maybe there is a way to analyze the film in that sense that it's always that male. Uh, the patriarchy. The, yeah, the patriarchal, yeah. like, you know, construction mm-hmm. is, is what's going to doom women, well, you know? Yeah, I but mean, yeah. I, I think that's giving it a little bit. <laughs> more credit than maybe is deserved because it just kind of falls into like you know basic karma and you know well absolute power corrupts absolutely right exactly you have that idea of like power and and now that they are able to kind of wield this power and they wield in a very kind of male patriarchal way yeah of like okay you did this to me now i'm doing it back to you when in when in essence it's like you know all Exactly what uh, Assumpta Serena's character says is that you know it all comes back to you. Right. It's the it three times three comes back to you no matter what, and that's yeah. a, that's one of the central tenets even of like modern kind of contemporary practitioners of magic, where um, you know um, one thing that Andy Mantis put in his uh, one of his witch lessons is that you know this idea that the only kind of offensive spell. Uh, quote unquote good witches have is binding like mm-hmm. it's very much like you're not doing anything to hurt anybody but you are you're trying to prevent them you're trying to prevent them from using their from from accessing their power to hurt other people right whereas you know if you, you know, like voodoo dolls and all that stuff that's offensive in mm-hmm. a different way but like that energy must come back in some regard yeah so. which i mean i think it makes sense you know because it's nature. I mean, nature allows for 
you know, the utmost cruelty and the utmost grace, you know, I mean, both exist, you know, so I'll, like she has that comment, you know, um, Leoria or Le- mm-hmm. Leosha, whatever the, but Asumta Serna's character, the, the witch that they're all stealing everything from, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, about like, there is no black or white magic. It's all in the heart of the witch. You because, know? because energy, because nature is both, yeah, it, is it is both cruel yeah. and gracious and yeah. So I, I think that, you know, sort of makes or not sort of, it does make sense. You know, if you're going to put something negative out, you know, there's a good chance it will find you again. It'll find you again. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, again, you know, I mean, it's a movie. This movie came out, you know, right in with all of like, I feel like there was this whole time period with like, you know, I know what you did last summer and uh, Scream mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, Cruel Intentions were all, we're like, not that these teen ain't movies didn't always have that angstiness, but they got like really dark in the nineties. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and, um, you know, almost like the seventies, you know, like with the darkness of like slasher movies, seventies and early, early eighties. Um, you know, we sort of, the, I feel like these movies are like the Renaissance of like that kind of really dark taking on, you know, the movie does, it tries to talk about racism and it tries to talk about sexism. And then, you know, it talks, you know, obviously class, you know, class warfare. Yeah. Classism. It's got, uh, you know, consent and, uh, you know, the, you know, it's doing the most. Well, is Skeet Ulrich's character, like, mm-hmm. you know, attacking Sarah, you know, I mean, there's just a lot <laughs> going on in the movie, uh, trying to balance a lot of themes, you know, for, uh, uh, what is in essence like a teen drama movie, <laughs> you know, about witchcraft. Uh, so I, I think it gets, I, I think it deserves more credit than it got when it first came out. Cause I, I, I think with time we've sort of realized like that it's, I think a much better film than when it, when it first came out. Yeah, for sure. But also with time, you can kind of see some of the flaws with the second half where I just, I just feel it gets a little preachy, you know, in a way that yeah. it, you know, it, it could have been easily pulled back a bit. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I'm telling you the the modern reboot of this will be will be written and directed by women, but it will be how it'll star gay men, <laughs> right? <laughs> and not the Covenant, and not the Covenant. <laughs> I was like, Joshua was like, they should do it, and they should be a gay man. I was like, Joe, they already did that. It's called the Covenant. <laughs> I was like, Ah, the Covenant. I have you know, no, but I mean, I've I... committed many self abuse to the Covenant, <laughs> uh, right? Uh, of course, you have. Um, I think that. I mean, I think that there's something could be explored in that arena. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. you could make a film with, you know, a cast of queer males, um, particularly queer males of color. They tried that show, the Brujos show. Yes. uh Uh-huh. You know, Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately that it doesn't seem like that took off in the way that I was certainly hoping that it was going to. So there's certainly something to be explored there. But because we're still living in this like patriarchal system and there's constant attacks on women, we were just talking about Ohio wanting to... Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. make it not only illegal to have an abortion, but to sentence people to death for it, which is just deliciously ironic. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm so pro-life that I will murder you yeah. for it. it. It's sick, you know. So there's still a lot of open face, blatant, uh, you know, attacks on women and, and on the autonomy of women that I think that the film could be remade or rebooted or whatever or you know or or maybe not even a remake of this but just a new story in the same kind of realm realm, that could explore a lot still for women you know and and how women gain power and you know access to um all these different avenues yeah you know through magic you know that that could say something better than coven said because i think i feel like american horror story coven kind of boiled down to the same things and that had a gay male director writer who i think still pushed like just the this idea the stereotypical innate cattiness in all women against each other yeah you know Mm -hmm. rather than you know what what kind of movie could be made if like no they really were sisters you know it's sort of like what sabrina the teenage or the chilling adventures of sabrina is exploring in in the idea of she the devil Satan, whatever, is a male trying to enforce this patriarchal thing on her, and she's seeing him as the enemy, not, mm-hmm. and that every, and that the others are, 
they followed him for so long that nobody's thought not to. Yeah. You know, so I think that that could be explored, you know, in an interesting way. And that's also by virtue of like her birth because she is on this kind of outside one foot in one foot out of, you know, one foot in one world, one foot in another world type thing. Um, yeah, that's interesting. Um, the Coven read of it, you know, I, I mean, I, okay, I, I've, you know, everyone who listens to the show knows that Coven is my favorite season. Mainly. Yeah, I, I love it. I'm not against it. I'm just saying. But like, it is interesting how, like, yeah, if the, you know, they're both female practitioners of magic who are going to be, uh, who are like trying to be system systemically eradicated by like a male patriarchal, the witch hunters. Yeah, and it's not. And even when they kind of deal wrap up that particular story of it, there's still the like what they what the note of the season ends on is like women fighting to become the supreme. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I I, I just think that there is something that men don't have because the way the patriarchy works and the way that it encourages men to, you know, sever their emotional connections and you know, be aggressive and, you know, all of, all of those, those ways that we're sort of cut off from that sort of brotherhood that, um, that women have like the sisterhood, mm-hmm. you know, of mm-hmm. women. Mm-hmm. Um, so because we don't, what am I trying to say? Because we don't understand that. Yeah. We, it makes it, I think, impossible for men to make a, um, a story that's responsible to that. Mm, I see. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, not impossible. I mean, I'm sure there are men that write good women, <laughs> you know, but I, I don't know. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, like just the idea, like, it, even if a gay man writes something like Coven, mm-hmm. you know, it still falls into the same sort of stereotypical tropes about women because it's like there's limited understanding. Because it's still not of like it understands it from a position of like otherness and right. uh, otherness and outsideness mm-hmm. and, but it doesn't truly understand what it is to what it is because it is not yeah. from like that kind of female perspective. Yeah. Whether, like, yeah. yeah, you can be as woke as you want to be about racism, but I think experiencing it and actually understanding it, you know, is, is totally, is, is a totally different thing. I mean, I don't think any of us is arguing that I'm just saying that yeah. like we've said on this podcast before you know we, we talk a lot about feminism and horror but we're not women you know yeah. so i just think that in the in the right hands uh, you know a, a really interesting story could be told with the craft yeah exactly if, it, if there was a better understanding of like the realities of women i yeah, feel for rather sure. than you know what some men think about teenage girls and what their motives would be yeah um, the new Suspiria, I think, kind of <laughs> falls into that because it's not, um, which was great. I loved it. I encourage everybody to go see it. Um, we'll watch it together soon. We're going to watch the um, the original first. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's not necessarily about, like, there's not a mystery that they're witches. It's about the internal struggle, like, mm-hmm. for power among the women. And, again, a movie that's so much about women is written and directed by men. And I think that... You know, I don't, I don't know who the right woman director would be, but in their hands, I'd be interested to see what the story could tell, could say bigger. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and this is not like this is not us. Um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, Joshua, too. But this is also not us saying that like there are inherent differences in the genders as far as like you know reinforcing binaries or anything like that by any means. This is basically us. Like there are different ways. That for better or worse, people experience things in the bodies that they're in and how they present in different ways just because of that's how it is. That's how they present themselves. Yeah. Does that make, am I trying to, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm no, not. No, I mean, that makes sense. I just think my, my point is, is I'm just, I would just be curious to see in the hands, like, you yeah. know, a woman remaking the craft. Yeah. What kind? What kind of story could be brought to it? Yeah. What sort of you know other motives or things rather than I want to be beautiful, I want to be rich, I want to you know have a boyfriend, you know that because I just feel like that's so you know what what other things would motivate a woman to want to possess witchcraft, you know? And even if she still made it that way, fine. Like, cause it could could still be a woman that that's what she believes. You know, it could still fall into that. You know, it's not like there aren't things women have directed that, 
you know, people feel like, ah, you know, this isn't, <laughs> it's not feminist just because a woman directed it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I'm just curious, you know, I, I don't yeah. even know. I, it, it, it just, goes, just having a hypothetical. It, <laughs> it just goes back to the idea of like, you know, people who, people telling the stories of, uh, people telling their stories. So like, you know, queer people telling queer stories, trans people telling trans stories, women yeah. telling women's stories. Yeah. Men, you know, like, because we haven't had enough of that. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I guess that's my point. You know, I mean, they could still be all fraught with the same issues. You know, I think Sam talked about this, you know, mm -hmm. um, it, you know, it's still like, it, you can't be responsible for making it, you know, it all, you're just trying to do your best as a filmmaker, yeah. as a story writer, you know, to, to write something that's, can, that speaks to that experience. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, like when you, when but it you, might not be perfect because we're all living under this capitalist patriarchal, yeah. hetero. <laughs> you know, like like it, it, speaking of Sam, you know, in the case of the Quiet Room, you know, yeah. Sam told an intensely personal story using yeah. using the using storytelling and um, a genre. And again, like, you know, kind of what we always talk about, like you use the storytelling in the genre to turn it up to 11 and see what will happen um, and see what will happen. But it's still an intensely personal story. Now, yeah. it's intensely personal because this is how he experienced it. This right. is how he's choosing to tell it. But it's not like it's not trying to be the end all be all that right. way. Yeah. And even I think, you know, and not to like speak for him, but I feel like he would be sympathetic. He would feel similarly and say that like if you have a story to tell and you want to tell it a different way go for it you should uh, you know again people should be out there telling their stories yeah period. absolutely yeah. yeah yeah so i just think it'd be very interesting especially in this time uh, you know where everybody is sort of starting to you know embrace like witchcraft and you know it'd be curious to see what what could be done with these sorts of stories, especially witch stories, you know, which yeah. again, witchcraft and the fear of witchcraft I th has always been rooted in misogyny and always been rooted in the fear of women, mm -hmm. you know? So when we had like the witch hunts, it was about, you know, women who were threatening women who maybe had a little too much social sway power and they were crushed brutally by the men in their society and the women who participated you know, by, you know, because either they had, you know, it's sort of like with racism, you know, white women benefit, you know, from racism and tend to back, you know, the men, <laughs> you know, the men who, you know, keep the, the privilege in the same space, even if it's not like malicious or anything, it's just, it's what you're taught, you know, so yeah. these same women who were taught this fundamental religiosity that was patriarchal attacked other women when really they should have sided with those women, yeah. you know, so they all could have had better access to power, real or imaginary, <laughs> Satan or <laughs> exactly Satan or state, you know, like exactly. what, whatever. So I just, um, it's, it'd be very, it's, I'm curious to see in the next 20 years, what sorts of, as women continue, as our society continues to change, not even just with women, but you know, queer people, um, people of color like what sort of witch stories will we make yes you know because uh -huh. they're reflective of that of their of their times like you know anything you know the yeah. craft i think is very reflective of yeah. you know the 90s and yeah. <laughs> that sort of culture that we had mm -hmm. yeah for sure so i'm just curious where we'll you know the <laughs> the witch as a figure like the vampire like the zombie you know i think witches have always yeah. you know represented that like the fear of the divine feminine and you know and and what the world would be like if women controlled it because men are afraid that they'll treat them yeah. the way they've treated women <laughs> yeah. even the idea of like you know there being a different name for like males practitioners of magic like warlocks yeah. w warlocks wizards it's like we can't have male witches right because it's still like on the level of the feminine yes oh absolutely that's a that's a great point that um yeah yeah, yeah. so even practitioners of magic you know who of witchcraft like have to you know separate you know which is exactly. just again it's still like crazy it, re it reinforces a binary <laughs> yeah, and, yeah 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 and there are lots of men like i mean i was i was just reading an article about like ma the male witch you mm -hmm. know and like no i'm a witch and i thought that was very interesting um and i don't think he was queer either not that again you don't have to be you don't have to plenty be plenty of woke no. straight guys yeah quote unquote <laughs> woke <laughs> i don't know you know but um that'll be the title of the episode woke straight guys right? <laughs> no no um <laughs> we looked at each other and we're like, no. no. Uh, anyway, so uh, what else? Anything else about the craft? Um, did I write? Uh, did I write about this? 
Um, I, <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote the uh, uh, Robin Tunney's lace front. I think. Oh, <laughs> so yeah, because she was in Empire Records and it shaved her hair, so she had to wear a wig um, in it, and uh, it's not—it's not the greatest wig. Although it, it does stay on when she's getting all that wind blown at her at the end, so <laughs> right. And it's like they, they should have cast Christine Taylor. They should have reversed it and cast her as uh, uh, Lisa Lizzie or whatever her fucking name is, because then she would already been like oh b- bald. And, oh, there you, know, you go. Yeah. I think she was originally cast as Bonnie, oh. and then they convinced her to be Sarah. Um, I Nev love, Campbell took the Bonnie role. I think I mentioned this. I just love how like both this and Scream came out in the same year. Yeah, this was in May, and then Scream was December. In December, yeah. So I love how they came out in the same year. But like, it looks like <laughs> it looks like Skeet Ulrich and mm-hmm. um, Skeet Ulrich and uh, Nev Campbell like aged like a ton because they look so young. Yeah. I mean, I would be curious to see what the filming schedules were like. You know, when if this was released in May, it would probably filmed in what ninety. It probably was uh, filmed. It was probably filmed in ninety five. In ninety five, and then Scream was filmed that year of ninety six, and then like released later on. Yeah. So, but it's it's so interesting how so like it's probably a year um, say between film. How just you know different, also just like in also in like texture and quality, how different the films are too. Mm. Um, I mean, but then again, you know that's like Wes Craven at the helm of, <laughs> of right. your, you know of this. Yes, great, great the director's film. always going to bring their own kind of vision. Um, you know, I just watched Return to Oz the other day, so it's kind of interesting. I was thinking about Feruza Balk and, you know, her playing, you know, Dorothy Gale and then the Wicked Witch. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, which I, I don't know. I just think that was interesting. And I love Return to Oz. It's a freaking weird, weird movie. Um, how much money did they did they get? A hundred and seventy five thousand dollars. <laughs> I love that scene. Other crying and then like you know, one hundred seventy-five thousand dollars. Which now it's like two hundred sixty thousand. It's like two hundred sixty thousand dollars now. So like yeah. nineteen ninety-six, hundred seventy-five thousand yeah, dollars would be stretched it. You know, yeah, like just over <laughs> a quarter a nice of a million. Little, yeah, nice little windfall. Exactly, <laughs> but but we did talk about like you know that's just still not enough to like kill someone and no like, i know yeah it's so funny to me like snapped and all that like i love watching those shows and it's like oh you know uh, she got a hundred thousand dollars life insurance policy i'm like that's not gonna go anywhere in today's society no it's like, not gonna go anywhere you could pay off your credit cards <laughs> yeah you could maybe buy like a new car or put it down on a condo yeah but like but you still it. need to, you can't you still gotta work yeah you still gotta work yeah i always just think that's it's such a ridiculous reason to like murder people for money when it's like so little. I mean, if you like inherited ten million dollars, yes, maybe then you wouldn't have to work or or you could do something with that. But, exactly. But one hundred seventy five thousand dollars isn't going anywhere. Exactly. Today. So keep those <laughs> insurance policies low, listeners. Because right. Yes. That's how you'll ensure that you know no one's going to come no, for you. Yeah. Um, what are they going to do? It's nothing. Um, <laughs> uh, anyways. Um, and plus, you don't want to take a life. We should say that. I feel like we're, you know. Yes, don't, like, don't, don't kill know. anybody because you're not going to get any money. That exactly. When one finger, callous. when one finger points at you, three, pe- three point, three back. point back. That's right. Exactly. That's so don't keep that in mind. So be wary. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, the other thing, I love the soundtrack to this movie too. It's another one I like to put on because the music is great. That Heather Nova cover of um, "I Have the Touch" by Peter Gabriel. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Is it Peter Gabriel? Because I'm always afraid I'm, I say that and then it's like somebody else well you know the internet's gonna be like no you're wrong i'm pretty sure it's peter gabriel um i have the touch i have the touch uh, yeah it's yes, very peter much gabriel. it's and very much the covered. 90s yeah it's great the um uh how soon is now is awesome the song it opens with i can't remember what it's called um that whole time frame that was another thing i was thinking about uh, uh, you know particularly for women like this is um before Lilith Fair, because that was 1997, mm-hmm. but it was still like ramping up. So, like, I think of like Sarah McLaughlin's music has a very like a magical quality. Like, there's some of her albums I listen to, and you just feel magical, <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> like you could just see, you know, these kinds of like the you know like uh, like Sarah's character because she's very mm-hmm. like granola, granola. She's in browns yeah. and greens and floral prints, and it's yeah. that kind of vibe, like Bell Book and Candle, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I don't know. There's yeah, it's very Kim Novak, very Bill Buckingham. Yeah, Candle. you know Lorena <laughs> McKennett, like you know those kinds of songs. No that idea were out. who that is. Uh, she sings the Mummers Dance. 
No. Uh, you would probably. Did you ever see Ever After? Yes. Okay, so the trailer they use that. Oh, uh, like, okay. You know, it's like we. How, how's it go? Uh, Joshua, shoot. I'm not a 17 year old uh, lesbian from the I 90s. Know, like, right? <laughs> I, that was I'm me. not you. <laughs> how's that song go? Ah, <laughs> the Mummers the, Dance. Yeah, it's called the Mummers Dance. It's so high up. Though. All I remember about Ever After is like the guy who played the prince had like his balls in a cod piece. Like you could see mm. his, you could see his balls. Well, I'll play it for you off air. You'll know it as soon as you hear it. You'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that song. But you probably just didn't know what Is that was. like when like people say, you know, life in a northern town? And they're like, what? And they're like, oh, hey, oh, I'm, I'm like, oh, that song. Oh, God. <laughs> you're just, you're queuing it up. You're getting ready. I'm going to find it. Uh, but anyway, so, like, but regardless, overall, I really like the soundtrack to this movie, too. Just something I went throughout because I'm always, I love soundtracks. Mm-hmm. So, yes. Um, you know, I had the craft soundtrack and played it all the time. Because it just, it had really good music, too, besides, like, the, um, the pop songs that are in it, mm-hmm. the orche- orchestral music, the soundtrack music, the yes, score. Yes, yes, The score, the score uh, is really nice. Anyways, so the craft was uh, kicking off our little witch series here. Um, that's 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 that. Yes. <laughs> so you're going to go and uh, call the corners, draw the circle. I'm going to call the corners. Mm-hmm. Hail to the guardians of the watchtowers of the north by the power <laughs> of Mother and Earth. Mother and Earth. <laughs> <laughs> I invoke thee. Earth. <laughs> she sounds By so the bored. power of mother and earth. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well, good night, Joe. Cast some lovely spells for me. Yes. I need some money. <laughs> you can always kill someone, but you only get like, you know, quarter of a million dollars. So it's it's not worth it. But th- this is not an endorsement, nor is it evidence. Okay. Bye. Have a good night. <laughs> Fright School is produced by Joshua Napier and Joe Farron. Our intro was edited by Davy Boy Productions. Our logo was designed by Jamie Channel Guzman. Episodes are edited and engineered by Joe Farron. Fright School is produced in terrifyingly beautiful San Diego, California. Listening to the Geekscape Network.